Hey everyone, welcome to the Growth Equation Academy. Over the next several weeks, we are launching into a new project. We will be devoting each episode of the podcast to an exploration of the core principles of sustainable performance and well-being, things like motivation, self-awareness, transitions, routines, and so on. The goal of this project is simple, to give you all a robust toolkit of evidence-based approaches to doing good and feeling good. These are the same concepts we use when coaching world-class athletes, executives, and entrepreneurs. Our goal, to dive into these concepts, flesh them out so that you can use them in your own life. With that, on to the first concept, which frames so much of the work that we do here at The Growth Equation. That is the growth equation itself. Stress plus rest equals growth. So I'm going to pose a question. How do you make a muscle grow or get bigger? It's a simple thing, but it's something that athletes deal with all the time. And the foundation of this is pretty simple. It's exercise science. It's stimulus to growth. It's adaptation. What do we do? Well, if we're trying to get our muscle to grow, we pick up a weight. If it's too heavy, right, we might only get one rep in. We might not get enough. We don't get enough stimulus for adaptation. If we pick up too light of a weight, and we're just cranking out reps after reps after reps, it's not enough to tell our body, hey, we need to get stronger. We need the appropriate amount of weight with the appropriate amount of rest to get better, right? The enough stimulus to just embarrass the body just a touch so that it says, oh man, I've got to get stronger. We've got to send the resources in here to adapt and grow so that next time we pick up a weight, we're able to handle this load. So appropriate amount of stress, appropriate amount of rest afterwards, we get adaptation and growth. Well, the same thing applies when we're, we're looking at creativity. For example, how do we get, how do you um, develop an idea? How do you get those creative juices going? You work hard at a concept. You go to work at it. For instance, if you're trying to solve a creative math problem, you put in the work solving it. And then research shows to get that aha moment, you got to step away. Appropriate amount of work, appropriate amount of rest. Then you have that magic aha moment and you grow. The same thing applies when you're looking at developing a skill. The work by the late psychologist Anders Ericsson showed that in order to uh, master a skill, in order to develop and get better, we needed deliberate practice, which was what? Deeply and focused work, and then step away, rest, grow, get better. Without that deeply focused work, that deliberate practice, again, the body, the brain does not have the stimulus to adapt and grow. So this one equation kind of applies to everything. Parts of Erickson's work that uh, a lot of people find most fascinating is when you look at um, the elite of the elite, the cream of the crop musical artist, you find that what separates the world-class musicians from the national-class musicians isn't the amount of time that they practice. They're all practicing for the quote-unquote 10,000 hours. What separates them is how they practice. So the world-class athletes, they might be practicing six to eight hours a day, but they're doing it in very intense 60 to 90-minute chunks, followed by breaks and rest, 
Whereas the national class musicians, they don't have nearly as much structure around their practice. They might go for four hours a time, 30 minutes at a time. Sometimes they might just practice the whole day straight through. So what Erickson found separates the best from the almost best, and this extends beyond music, is again, following this pattern of stress, intense stimulus, deep challenge, followed by rest, recovery, and then getting back to work. Um, Steve mentioned the creative research. I'll summarize it with what academics call the path to breakthrough. They call that path immersion. As Steve said, you throw yourself into the problem. Incubation, you step away. Insight. A lot of people experience this when they have that aha thought in the shower, on the way home, on a drive when waking up. So in a very micro sense, day to day, you could argue that the best way to work is the same way that an athlete trains in intervals. So you do periods of deliberate, deeply focused, distraction-free work, followed by short breaks. And then you come back to the work. This can be especially hard in more of an intellectual or a context where you're using your brain. I, I remember back when I was in consulting, I'd be working on a model, I'd be stuck, I'd be hacking away at the keyboard for hours and hours. And as a deadline's approaching, the last thing that you want to do is step away from the work. But when you're stuck, it's the best thing that you can do. And my sense is most of y'all listening to this podcast have had that experience. Maybe you're on a writing deadline and you're just cramming at 12 p.m., 1 a.m., and then finally you give up, you go to sleep, you wake up the next morning, and boom, the answer's there. You rewrite everything you did. It takes you 10 minutes. Um, it doesn't only apply on a micro level. It also applies on a macro level. So Steve, I think it's worthwhile to explain how this equation truly is universal, not just in the areas of life that it applies to, in the areas of performance, but also on timescales. The way I like to think of this is we can periodize our life, right? If you look at athletes, they always take a break at, at the end of their season, right? There's periods where they go deep into hard work. There's periods, rest weeks, where they have to you know, branch out, allow their body and mind to recover and restore so that they can come back at it harder. And then at the end of a season or a competition period, they take a long break before coming back at it again. The same principle applies to the rest of life as well. It's not grind, 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 grind until we can't. That leads to burnout, right? We need to add periodization to our life in the sense that we have different periods, different seasons, different time periods where we need to go hard. And then to counteract that, to support that, we have to back off and rest, recover, etc. This can come in the in terms of micro periods we'd call sleep, right? Day-to-day -day periods where we're breaking it up with rest and recovery. Or it come, could come in weekends or weeknights or longer periods after, let's say, a hard session or hard period in terms of vacations, okay? My favorite study looking at this was from the Boston Consulting Group, which took... Um, some hardcore consultants who hate time off, who take, who hate breaks, who wanna, you know, put their eighty-hour work weeks in, and or think they have to put their eighty-hour work weeks in, and have to go to town to try and do it. And in this study, they convinced these consultants to take one evening off per week initially, and there was a lot of backlash and a lot of hesitation, saying, "Oh, this is just gonna push us to work more on the weekends or make up for." 
time elsewhere. And they said, no, you've got to put your phone down, your stuff away for one, one week night. That's it. One night a week. And after they tracked the data for several months and looked, they saw improvements in performance, improvements in communication, and um, you know better overall life satisfaction. And they ended up keeping that. And the whole point of this is, again, even on this time scale, you can see that we have to balance out the stress and the recovery. Same thing applies when we look at longer breaks in terms of vacations. They rejuvenate the mind and body. Now, the thing to keep in mind here is that vacations aren't cure-alls, right? You can't just grind all year and then take, oh, I've got a week vacation and I'm going to be okay. The research shows that a vacation refreshes you, depending on the length, for maybe two to four weeks on average. So it's not a cure-all. It's just a longer break to kind of set you up so that you can come back to the work. Yeah, it's just like the athlete, you know, that trains very, very consistently alternating between very hard workouts and easier workouts or rest days. And even though they're taking short bouts of rest during their training, when they peak for a big race, a world championship or an Olympics, after that peak, they're going to step back and recharge. Often they won't do any training, anything related to the sport for about a month. And I think that the same thing can hold so true Um, whether it's in creative or more of a traditional workplace, where when we are striving towards these big goals or big completion dates of projects, we're so quick to rush into the next thing. And not only do we not give our mind-body system time to chill out, but we also miss out on the opportunity to reflect on what did we learn, what went well, what could we do better at the next time. And I think here, athletes have it a little bit easier because your body breaks down when you're pushing too hard a lot faster than your brain or your soul, whatever you want to call it. Um, So I think it's really important in non-athletic pursuits to be really intentional about setting some constraints and saying, hey, I'm really working towards this book launch or towards this board presentation. And after it, I might be feeling adrenaline and jazzed up and excited, but I know I have to show some restraint give myself some rest, open up some time and space for reflection, recovery, so that I can come back um, even stronger. So this doesn't just apply to individuals. It also applies to teams and even entire organizations. So what do I mean by this? Let's look at a few organizations whose fate wasn't as successful as they had wished. Talking about places like America Online, Kodak, Blockbuster Video. If you think about the growth equation, stress plus rest equals growth, these organizations were very successful, but then they stopped stressing themselves. They weren't taking on any kind of new stimulus or challenge. Blockbuster refused to evolve when the digital age was upon us. Um, Same thing with Kodak. And America Online just kept the same old interface as their competitors were changing. So contrast those organizations to places like Disney World or Google or the San Antonio Spurs basketball organization. Disney started out as an in-person bricks and mortar theme park. Now their greatest revenue source is their digital media company. Very, very much product extension, which in this equation, it's no different than stress. It's trying something new, it's a challenge. San Antonio Spurs, they were one of the first teams in the league to start recruiting overseas, bringing in European players. As a result, they've had one of the longest streaks of making the playoffs in the NBA. Uh, And then I mentioned Google which started out as a search engine company and 
by all means is still a search engine company, but now is also in a spinoff making self-driving cars. Uh, so just like a human being can get very complacent if you're not stressing yourself, so too can teams organizations. Uh, another area where this applies is to relationships. And by no means are we relationship experts, but we'd be giving talks and be working with individuals on this equation. And they come up to us after and they say, hey, did you ever consider that this is how relationships evolve and grow? Be it with a really good friend, a romantic partner, or even with a child in the case of parenting. Think about it. How do you get really deep bonds? You go through challenges together with someone. And if all you ever do is go through challenges, the relationship's going to become super stressful. You're going to burn out and want to exit that relationship, or it will just turn toxic. The flip side is if you just constantly go through the motions with someone, eventually things get boring. The relationship gets stale. So the way that you deepen a relationship is much the same. Stress plus rest equals growth. You take on intense challenges with enough time to reflect, recover together, and that's how you grow. It's how you grow as a couple. It's how you grow in a friendship. It's how you grow a bond with a child. If you're a manager, it's how you grow with your employees. Too much stress, not enough rest. Again, you get burnout. Too much rest, not enough stress. You get complacency and staleness. Um, before we move on you know, to, to the next area of this, which is around prioritizing, I think it's important to say that the growth equation is a really helpful mental model for specific areas of your life. But if you're trying to apply this to everything at the same time, it's not going to work. Right. And I think that's the key there because I think sometimes people think, oh, I want to get better at everything, right? So I'm just going to apply this to every single area of my life that I want to get better. And all of a sudden you have way too much stress, not enough rest, et cetera. So when we talk about prioritizing, Okay. The way I like to look at it again is from an athletic standpoint. I'm not trying to get my fastest, lift the most weight, right? have the best agility, have the most explosiveness, have the best endurance all at the same time. It's impossible. right? Even if I'm training for an event that requires all of those things, I have to prior prioritize what is most important in this moment and when do I need that to be built up? And I think that is the key when we're applying that not only to our athletic realm, but to other areas of our life is we have to ask, okay, where am I going to prioritize my stress or my stimulus? Where am I kind of back off? And I think, again, in the world of athletics, or in the world of anyone pushing towards anything, you see this very clearly. We are 100% independent at the Growth Equation Podcast. Why? Simple. Because we loathe so many of the ads that we always hear on podcasts and selling various hacks and other cockamamie stuff that rarely works. That's not what we're about here. In order to support this work, we offer a Patreon membership program. For the cost of a cup of coffee, you can support the show and get all kinds of neat stuff, such as exclusive podcasts, signed copies of our books, participation in a live book club, and a live quarterly mastermind group. To learn more and sign up, go to www.patreon.com slash thegrowthequation. 
So I often like to think about um, different ways of applying so-called balance. And I think that the way that conventionally balance is thought about is you're going to do a whole bunch of things and you're going to be good at a whole bunch of things. And what ends up happening is you just end up constantly in the stress zone where you're trying to grow at being a parent, an athlete, at the workplace, in relationships, um, in your artistic endeavors, your hobbies, whatever it is. It's just go, 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 go. From the outside looking in, you're really balanced. But it's often the most quote unquote balanced people that end up burning out because they're never really resting. Whereas if you look at someone that might not seem as balanced, perhaps they only have two to three priorities that they're really devoting themselves to, but that gives them the time and the space in those priorities to push really hard and to rest and recover. So when I think about balance, I don't think about doing 19 things really well. I actually think about prioritizing, picking a few things that you want to do really well, a few areas that you want to progress and grow in, and then within those areas, taking a very balanced approach. Yeah, you know, one example that really sticks out in my mind is a young lady who I worked with and coached um, in the distance running world who was convinced that to get better, she needed to outwork everyone because she wasn't the most talented, wasn't the most highly recruited, and thought the way to get better was to work harder than everyone. So she had this incredible, uh, incredible ability to stress herself in workouts and improve. But the problem came, right, when that no longer led to the improvement, where the work was getting in the way because she needed time for her body to adapt and grow. And her entire life was consumed by running at that point, where it was, okay, I have to do everything to get better as a runner. So she did all the small things. She did all the workouts, lifted, stretched, all this stuff. So in a lot of ways, her her life was all tilted towards this stress, and she thought she was recovering and adapting because she was trying to get her sleep and all that stuff, right? But the key was, if you zoomed out, her life for very long periods of time was out of balance. She could hold that for a month or two, right? But over trying to hold that for year after year after year, put her out of balance on this zoomed out level of stress plus rest. So she had to, you know, we had we sat down, had a long talk, and she had to find other areas in her life where she could kind of go all in on this so that her running athletic world could recover. So after seasons, a month long of don't even think about running, right? Periods during the competition phase where she stepped away on weekends and said, I'm not going to think about this. And bringing, even though she was all in on this pursuit, bringing this kind of zoomed out balance to her life really helped then take her performance to the next level. And I'll give the counter example, which is um, a founder of a Series A company that I've worked with. Like most founders, she's just extremely driven, type A, wants to pursue excellence in everything she does, former Division I collegiate athlete. And she's growing this company pretty swiftly. And she's also trying to run under 250 for a marathon, having her first child, um, wanting to do all of these things at a pretty damn, well, for her, an elite level. And it's the total opposite. We stepped back and we said, hey, you know, you can't do it all at once. It's remarkable you want to try to even do 
two of these things at the same time. And in her case, it was releasing some pressure by saying, this is not a season of my life to try to run as fast as I can. It's just, even though I love this pursuit and I love pursuing excellence in sports, it's just going to cause me more stress than I'll be able to rest and recover from. Um, a quote that I used in a coaching session with her is from one of Steve and I's mutual friends, Ryan Holiday, who at a book talk, when someone asked, you know, you're a pretty damn good runner, why don't you have a race? Ryan just said, I'm not trying to win at my hobby. I've got enough stress. I've got enough growth in writing books and being a dad and opening up a bookstore. But the last thing I need to try to do is beat people or even beat myself in a race. It's not to say that when Ryan doesn't get older, or excuse me, it's not to say that when Ryan gets older, he won't maybe get competitive. But right now, it just meant too much for him. So you can kind of see how this works in these opposite examples where someone that's so single-mindedly focused and so obsessive about one thing that works until it gets in your way. And at that point, it's really helpful to zoom out and to interject other activities that you can pursue. The flip side is when someone is stretched so thin, trying to be excellent at multiple things at once, it can get very hard and lead to burnout. So to close this episode, um, I think that it's really important to really just break this down step by step and say, hey, what are the priorities in my life right now where I want to grow? can't be growing at everything. What are the one to four things, let's say, that I really want to push myself in? Where am I right now? Where do I want to get? What phase of the equation ought I be in? Should I be stressing myself or should I be resting? What does that look like today? What does that look like month to month? What does that look like over the course of the year or next year? And then you can really evaluate, hey, I've actually been stressing too hard. I think I need to ratchet down this area of my life or the opposite. This is an area I want to grow in. I haven't been giving it enough deliberate focus. I need to ratchet up the stress here and perhaps do some more rest in other areas of my life. Um, As mentioned earlier, this is true at the individual level, but it's also equally as rich and as true in a relationship, in a team, and even an entire organization. The last thing you want to be is the organization that's like Blockbuster, that doesn't take on any stress, that doesn't grow. But there's an equal and opposite curse, which is the organization that grows way too fast, extends into way too many markets, and a year later no longer exists either. So stress plus rest equals growth. On the next few episodes of the Growth Equation Academy, we're going to really unpack the different components of this equation, starting with stress. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation Podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.